welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 207, just two away from our fifth season. And the name of this one is Jumping to Conclusions Leads to Nothing Good. So as I was mentally and emotionally preparing for this particular podcast, I couldn't help but think about the type of movies that I choose to watch. Now, I don't get to see a whole lot of television at this point in life. And what I do see, traditionally, I am doing three things at the same time that the show is in the background. Right now, my favorite channel for anything that's movie-related is GAC-TV. And, but I'm not, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. And so I'm very careful with what I allow my eyes to see and what I have, I allow my ears to hear, you know, it's, it's changed my life because when I was in my early thirties, I would watch some other channels. And even though there were some decent storylines here and there, I saw things and heard things that I wouldn't have wanted to sit with Jesus and watch or see. And as a result, that bothered me. And especially at this age, being an aunt um, to some people I love dearly, I am especially conscious of this because what we allow into our hearts and minds affects how we think. We may rationalize and say, well, I know that, you know, that that's wrong. I I know that what they're doing is wrong. I would never do that. But why in the world would we allow that to be in our homes. And so, I mean, I've never had things on my TV that like would cause people to scream. It's not like that, but it still was to me, not the healthiest. And so I have limited myself to shows that have a more uplifting and we're clean enough that Jesus and I could sit together and watch. And so as a result, almost 90%, if not even more, of the storylines are based on at least one incident, if not multiple incidences, of somebody or more than somebody jumping to conclusions. Like, I have no doubt that you know what I'm talking about here. How many times have you seen a movie or a sitcom where somebody catches just a little bit of a conversation and they assume that they know all that's going on and they call off weddings or they refuse to talk to somebody? Like, I can just see the pictures in my mind right now as I'm talking of the multiple times and I just sit I've gotten to a point in life where I just sit and I just want to strangle them and go why wouldn't you go to the person and ask them 
Why are you jumping to conclusion? Now, I know that it's a fake TV show. I got that. But it reminds me of real life. How many times do people hear a bit of the story or one side of the story and they feel as though they've got the full picture and they make major decisions based upon a snippet. And sometimes it's a snippet that was an absolute lie. I love court dramas, even though I don't watch those at this point in life. I do read some Christian fiction that's about the court system. But people lie. A couple of years ago, I was finally, after all these years, I was finally called for jury duty. And most people wouldn't be excited about that, but because I am so interested in the entire legal system, I like I ate it up, especially since I didn't get called. So that, that helped too. But I got to spend a, a full day because we were there a long time just in the process of them trying to select a jury because it was a federal case where those that had worked for the federal government come to find out after I left there and wasn't going to be on the jury, I did some research and at least one of the two defendants had already been convicted of crimes. And this was just another layer of the crimes and just sitting there and thinking about the possibility of being one of the 12 people to try to decide who was telling the truth because you had the federal government versus these two agents that had worked for the feds. And I just wondered if I would have the discernment. Would would I be so captivated by either attorney, the prosecuting attorney, and there were multiple, or the defending attorney, which I think there were multiple of those two because it was a huge case, would I be snowed by them and would I believe what they were saying, even if it wasn't true, just because of how they presented it? As we look at today's storyline for our podcast, we're talking about a situation where King David, the man after God's own heart, took one side of a story and made a major decision based upon a lie, or at least from what we can tell with the rest of scriptures. We know for sure that the person that was hurt by this says that they didn't do or say what they were accused of. And it it got me to thinking, it's a very short text, but we're going to look at a couple of other texts where one is a text in the book of Joshua, which if you've listened to this podcast anytime, you know I adore the book of Joshua. But it was a time where Joshua and the elders were snowed and paid a high price as a result of not paying attention. But we're going to start out in a set of scriptures that we would have gone over uh, probably a few months ago. And that is setting the stage and letting you know two of the main characters, the two main characters that are in this with David. So remember, David 
David's son Absalom has been plotting against him for years and David was not paying attention and David allowed this all to happen and David has mournfully left the city of Jerusalem and in today's text we're seeing an interchange that happens after he has left Jerusalem because everybody knows who he is and probably where he was going and so we're going to look at the backdrop and understand who in the world is Zeba and Mephibosheth. And I have to be careful when I say that because it's kind of hard to, to get those names right. But back in the early glory days of David's reign as the king of Israel, David got to a place where like everything was just rolling along. I mean, it was called the golden era of Israel for a reason. And in this time, David was being reflective and he was thinking back on Saul's family and especially on his friendship with Jonathan and how much he missed him. And so he's sitting around and that's where we enter this text. It was 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 13. And we need to get this before we touch the jumping to conclusions part. So here we go. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I could show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to go, I want to show God's kindness to them. Zebra replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant. I will do all that you commanded, have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. And we could go back, we're not going to, but we could find out that Mephibosheth was crippled at birth as a result of an accident. And so he's lived this way his entire life. So that's who Ziba and Mephibosheth are. Mephibosheth, one of the sons of Jonathan, 
Jonathan, David's best friend, wonderful guy. Cannot wait to meet him in heaven. I'll tell you that, like if you didn't hear our stories about Jonathan and David, like you can hear the respect that I have for Jonathan. And amazing how Jonathan was such a godly man with Saul being, well, not godly to say the least. And then we jump to 2 Samuel 16, 1 through 4. So we've seen David headed out of town and on his pathway we saw we talked about the fact that godly men do cry and I think that's what we talked about last week and then we've got starting in chapter 16 when David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives Ziba the servant of Mephibosheth was waiting there for him he had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread 100 clusters of raisins 100 bunches of summer fruit and a wineskin full of wine what are these for the king asked Ziba Zeba replied, the donkeys are for the king's people to ride on and the bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat. The wine is for those who have, who become exhausted in the wilderness. And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, the king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Zeba replied. He said, today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather, Saul. So I'm stopping there before we read how David I'm going to say reacted because I don't think this is a response. So if you are in David's shoes and you hear this from Ziba, that Mephibosheth stayed in Jerusalem today and and said, today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. Now you may, I, I get it. I get it. You may have this element of distrust Number one, because your own son, Absalom, has just stabbed you in the back with a major butcher knife. And Mephibosheth is Saul's grandson. And Saul was not a godly, healthy man. You know, maybe Mephibosheth is thinking this way and you just didn't see it coming. I get that David would have been hypersensitive at this time to people who might be plotting against him. I got that part. But that does not negate the need to use wisdom in making decisions. So how do you think David responds? Like, if you don't know the story already, what do you think that King David chooses to do? Does he choose to brood over it and hold that hurt in his heart and say, when I get back to town, I'm going to make sure that Mephibosheth pays? Do you think that he sends someone to find out if Mephibosheth really has been disloyal? Because we know from the last few weeks of stories that he's got people who are still loyal to him who are inside of Absalom's camp. Maybe you think that he says, you know, I can't do anything about that now. I will wait until I get back to town or like something 
opens up and I can find out the full story. He doesn't do any of those. Uh, and here's what he does. So four, in, this, in that case, the king told Zeba, I give you everything Mephibosheth owns. I bow before you, Zeba replied. May I always be pleasing to you, my lord, the king. Did you see that coming? In any way, shape, or form, did you see David giving everything that Mephibosheth owned to Zeba because Zeba says that David needs to watch his back because Mephibosheth stayed behind and has now sworn allegiance to I'm clicking because I'm trying to get to the the other part of the the story and the the rest of the story so to speak. I'm not sure if I'm going to read it to you but it just decided I wanted to go that way and at least grab hold of it. There we go. And so here you have David who has taken one side of the story, jumped to conclusions that Ziba is telling him the truth and Mephibosheth has really aligned himself with Absalom so that he can truly try to get back the kingdom that was Saul's. And not only does he jump to the conclusion, but he jumps to giving Ziba everything that Mephibosheth owns. One of the things that I keep thinking about is just how that in times of trial, times where we are stressed, we don't make the wisest of decisions. Like we we may have a whole lot on our mental and emotional plate and we don't take the time to research like we would otherwise. God just reminded me of a time in my life where I'd just been dealt a major blow. And as a result, my boundaries, which normally would have been very strict, weren't. And I made decisions thinking that I was making the right decisions and nearly were disastrous consequences. So I guess I can relate to David more than I gave myself credit for. And I think we all can. I think we've all been in his shoes where we're under so much stress and we get a nugget of news and we jump to the conclusion that that nugget is full of truth and maybe or maybe not we make a major decision based upon it. In Proverbs 18:17 we we have this short verse, but it says the first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And that's one of those verses that I have always not only been intrigued by, but I know how true it can be because people can be really good liars, number one. And number two, sometimes it's about perspective. It's not that somebody is lying. It's what they truly believe. So they may be very sincere in what they tell you, but they're sincerely wrong. 
for instance, they may have jumped to a conclusion because they saw a bit of a something that was going on and they automatically made a narrative around that and they come to you with all all sincerity and say yeah this is what happened and you jump to a conclusion with them without stepping back you know god in in the book of james james being the half brother of jesus James has much, much, much to teach us as followers of Christ. But one of the many nuggets out of his book is that we can ask God for wisdom. And that's a 24-7 promise that no matter what we're going through, we can ask him for wisdom. And he is the one. It's one thing to ask for wisdom for people we care about and people we trust. That's not a bad thing, but wouldn't it make better sense to turn to the one who has all wisdom. And not only does he have all wisdom, but he has all the perspective. He knows what really happened because somebody can give you wise advice based upon the storyline that you have heard, but it might not be the correct storyline. Whereas God knows everything that happens and asking for wisdom from him realizing that i have limited perspective either because i heard a snippet of a phone conversation and immediately jumped to or somebody reported to me such as the case of david and ziba and see the thing is what i was clicking through is we get to 2 Samuel 19 after David has been restored. And let me click a little further here. And so it's 2 Samuel 19, and it'll be a while before we ever get there. But I wanted to flash forward because I want you to hear Mephibosheth's side of the story. And I can't tell you at this exact moment who was lying. But somebody was lying. Like, this wasn't a difference in perspective. This was a lie. But whether it was Mephibosheth lying or whether it was Ziba lying, we can still learn from David and David jumping to conclusions and not only jumping to conclusions, but making such a huge decision and giving everything Mephibosheth owned to Ziba. So here we go. This is 2 Samuel 19. Now, Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared for his feet, trimmed his beard, or washed his clothes since the day the king left Jerusalem. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? The king asked him. Mephibosheth replied, My lord, the king, my servant Ziba deceived me. I told him, Saddle my donkey so I can go with the king. For as you know, I'm crippled. Ziba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come, but I know that my Lord the King is like an angel of God. So do what you think is best. All my relatives and I could expect only death from you, my Lord, but instead you have honored me by allowing me to eat at your own table. What more can I ask? You've said enough, David replied. I've decided that you and Ziba will divide your land equally between you. I, I'm just shaking my head. David, why? But anyway, and Mephibosheth, give him all of it, Mephibosheth said. I am content just to have you safely back again, my lord, the king. 
you know, are you just a little speechless? Because uh, I'm just trying to figure out why in the world is David, like, is David not sure which of them is telling the truth, so he's going to divide it evenly? I don't, I don't know. Like, um, David, you've, you've got me on this one. I'm not exactly sure uh, what's going on in your head, but we can all learn from this. And as I said, you know, we all should know by now, I love the book of Joshua. And Joshua was such a great and godly leader of Israel. He was a military leader first, and he learned from Moses. And then he became not only military but also just the one who talked to god on behalf of the people and the one that god used in mighty ways but that didn't mean that he did it right all the time and after israel moved into the promised land and god had said you know this is what i need you to do everywhere i send you i'm going to take care of it i'm going to win the battle for you but you've got to wipe them out but there were at least a couple of times where Israel, including Joshua and the elders, weren't on their game, which again, just like David, David was not on his game that day. And Joshua and the elders aren't on their game. And Joshua 9, that's what we see. And it plays into just, uh, it'll be it'll be a few weeks, but we will see an incident between David and these same Gibeonites. So they, they, it was one of those situations where Joshua and the leaders, because they didn't ask God for wisdom and they relied on what they saw and the story that they were told, the Israelites paid for a long time. So let me slide down through this real quick and just listen to the story. It's one of those amazing stories in the book of Joshua. And just think about it. Think about the weekly assignment feature as we go through this. My, my question to you was, when have you seen jumping to conclusions have dire consequences? I mean, because jumping to conclusions can have minor consequences and, you know, maybe everything is going to be resolved. But there are other times where jumping to conclusions cost people lives and or livelihoods. So Joshua 9, now all the kings west of the Jordan River heard about what had happened. In other words, that Israel had wiped out um, Ai because God had, God had redeemed their situation there. Uh, I won't go into that because it's lengthy. These were the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Barrett, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites, who lived in the hill country in the western foothills and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far north as the Lebanon mountains. These kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. But when the people of Gideon, Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn-out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. Now, they weren't supposed to make a peace treaty with anybody within the promised land. So, there you go. Verse 7. The Israelites replied to these Hevites, 
How do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. They replied, We are your servants, but who are you? Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and of all he did in Egypt. We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all of our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey. Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open. And our clothing and sandals are worn out from our very long journey. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Still the key verse in the whole dialogue. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually live nearby. And so it goes on to explain that they've made this treaty and they cannot get out of it because they have sworn this by the Lord. And they do use it to their advantage. Um, That does happen. But like if they had just stepped back, thought through it, but most importantly, consulted the Lord, they wouldn't have gotten themselves in that mess. How many times have you and have I only taken one side of a story and taken it as the gospel truth? Like, I want you to think on that. I want you to think about it. And I also want you to think about how many times have you been hurt when someone else jumped to conclusions? They thought one thing and it hurt you as a result, you know, it doesn't just happen on GAC movies where everything's going along well. And all of a sudden somebody hears a little clip of a phone conversation or they see a man opening a door for a lady and they just assume that so-and-so's cheating on them when that is not the case. You know, if it only happened in fictional movies, we would just be frustrated and and move on and be thankful for the ending. But it happens in real life. And it can happen to you and to me. We can be just like David and take the word of the Zebas of this world and make rash judgments as well as decisions that can affect generations. Same thing for Joshua. Joshua and his men, they looked at what was presented by the very crafty Gibeonites and they made a decision and made an oath and then paid for generation after generation. So how are you when it comes to Reacting versus responding when you're given news. Do you step back and weigh the information and put it before the Lord and ask for a spirit of discernment? 
or do you jump to conclusions which hurt yourself and or others? Learning from King David, learning from King David's very distressful time of his life. And again, he created a good portion of it. That's the truth. But still, it was a painful time. He had just had his son absolutely stab him in the back. And he's hurting and he's distrustful. But it doesn't excuse us. Just because we're going through a tough time does not mean that we take our brains and put them on the shelves or we take the promise of God that he will give us wisdom in all circumstances and put that on the shelf. What situation is coming to mind right now where you have just been fully convinced that so-and-so did what? or such and such is going on, but you haven't really prayed about it and asked the Lord to give you a spirit of discernment. Like, stop right now and beg God for wisdom. Ask him to show you truth and to give you wisdom as to how to respond. David is a man after God's own heart, and we are all so much better for that. You know, so many of the Psalms are poured out from the heart of David and we can learn so much from those, but we can also learn from his mistakes. There's a reason that so much of scripture was devoted to the life and times of David. God intended for us to learn from his choices, not only his choice with Goliath, but his choice with Bathsheba. Not only when he was faithful to God and singing songs of praise even in the midst of difficulties, but on those days where he's not sure what's going on and he is no longer walking step by step with the Lord. You know, as I've said many times, none of us wants our entire lives put in scripture for all to see and learn from. But we have the advantage of learning from the lives of those that God inspired the writers to place in scripture. And David is one of those that we have such a broad spectrum including to the time of his death. I mean, we see so much of the life of David from a young teenage boy throughout his life. And there's so much to learn from. Sometimes examples to follow and sometimes examples to avoid. Please stop jumping to conclusions catching a bit of a conversation and assuming you know the rest of the story. Take some time, take some prayerful time. Ask the Lord to show you. Ask the Lord to show what's truth and to give you wisdom in the situations. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, we are two episodes, well really now one episode away from season five. I, you know, I will never, ever, ever 
get over being astonished at what God has done through this podcast. I thank you to everybody who's reached out to me over the years that has commented, that has joined our Facebook group, that has participated in any way. You may never have said anything, but if you've ever spoken a prayer regarding this podcast, I thank you. You know, if you're just sitting listening and trying to figure this out, I thank you. You may listen and just don't understand, like, what in the world is the big deal about this Jesus thing? Well, I would love to tell you what the big deal about this Jesus thing is. Reach out to me in encouraging others and loving Jesus at gmail.com. There's also a link down in the show notes that says, I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a movie that I'm recording this at the end of February 2023. There's a new movie called Jesus Revolution. The gospel of Jesus Christ is displayed in that movie that is based on the true story of the Jesus Revolution that happened many years ago, but God is up to something in this generation as well. We've got our Twitter feed. We've got our Instagram, our Facebook group. And again, old-fashioned email works very well for me. I would love to hear from each of you. If you're looking for the very first episodes of the podcast, you can go down to the very bottom of the show notes and see the hidden episodes and click on that and see it on my Podbean site. So until next week, may we make wise decisions. May we not jump to conclusions. May we help others as they are navigating through decisions, may we stop and encourage them to seek wisdom from the Lord before they make decisions that cannot be brought back, that cannot be reversed. May we all learn from the life of David and keep honoring the Lord each and every day. Just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. (music) 